I encourage you to have beginner's mind for some of the tactics that you've traditionally used that you consider part of your playbook because it's often not those things that are as important for a brand in the PLG world. Welcome back to The Build Podcast. I'm Blake Bartlett, a partner at OpenView. The world of SaaS is always evolving, and we're here to help you adapt, compete, and win with your startup. The Build Podcast brings you stories and insights from my conversations with the most successful people in SaaS. In today's episode, I chat with Sarah Varney, who recently took a new gig as CMO at the SMS marketing company, Attentive. When we spoke for the podcast, she was the CMO at Twilio, and before that, she spent about a decade in marketing at Salesforce, including serving as the SVP of marketing for the sales cloud. So in other words, Sarah is a B2B marketing powerhouse with a track record that would impress just about anyone in SaaS. And that's important because this episode is all about PLG marketing and getting super clear on the relationship between product and marketing and how to make it a massive success. All that and more on this episode of Build. So let's dive in with Sarah Varney. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here on the Build Podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Blake. So we're no surprises here. We're talking about PLG. Spoiler alert, it's my favorite topic. (laughs) But we're talking about it kind of from a zoomed out perspective, the overall development of PLG and what it changes and what it doesn't change as well, because there are many things that are still just as relevant as they were for all time. And so that as a jumping off point, you have had a great track record as a marketing leader in SaaS, including awesome companies like Salesforce, Twilio, and others. And so as you've seen the SaaS world evolve during your career, what do you make of the rise of PLG? And I guess, how do you define it? And why do you think it's taking hold in the SaaS world today? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think PLG is definitely all the rage today and is here to stay in so many ways. PLG, for me, I define it as a product that can essentially sell itself, that can have a really strong self-service flywheel that builds upon itself. The key thing that's that's a little bit obvious with PLG, or maybe you know, long-term this will be solved, but PLG generally, in my experience, has worked at the lower end of the market or for a market where you're trying to get community affinity and build kind of a long-tail customer base. PLG can be an incredible way to get started there. But I think as you start to move up market, there does still require an amount of human interaction, of building relationships in in a one-to-one fashion that I don't think PLG can completely match today. I think that, you know, that could absolutely be the future. And actually technologies like Twilio are really built to enable some of that personalization at scale or a large multi-million dollar software deal, let's say, it's still going to be pretty rare that there's no human interaction and you know someone's just going through a web experience to, to make that happen. So you mentioned two points there. One, that in product-led growth, the product does sell itself or it can sell itself. However, you also described a world in which it doesn't sell itself to everyone for all time. So how do we sort of uh, square that circle? Sure. I can give you examples from my own experience at Twilio. Obviously, we have a huge developer base and millions of developers are using Twilio every day. 
And they can largely get up and running on their own. They can come to the site. They can, you know, with whatever problem they have, they can find our documentation. They can, you know, get up and running in a matter of hours or days. But, you know, that doesn't mean they're necessarily through the enterprise hoops they might need to jump through on the security side or the contracting side. Or when they start to become a bigger and bigger customer, of course, finance is going to want to have a seat at the table. And, you know, there's negotiations that would make a ton of sense to have between an account team and and a bigger customer. And so while I don't think that it's impossible to think that PLG could cover all those things more long term, I think in today's manifestation of it, we're still more focused on the get up and running to a certain threshold, and then let's get humans more involved to take that relationship to the next level. My hope is that as PLG evolves, the threshold at which you need to apply sales people just rises as we get better and better. You don't want to have to throw account executives at smaller deals. They are an expensive resource and you really want them focused on your highest potential accounts. And so the more that you can say, all right, PLG can service any company that's 100 employees and below and above, I'm going to apply a salesperson. Well, imagine if you could even raise that from 100 to 500 in the future, and that'd be a massive cost savings for you as a business and, you know, also would unlock a lot of rep productivity, you know, higher up in higher segments. But I do think there could be massive opportunity in, in that back office side of PLG. I think a lot of people, when they think about PLG, focus about their onboarding experience and unlocking parts of the funnel, you know, pre-close. And I actually think what prohibits companies from taking PLG to higher segments is all of the billing and contracting and security provisions that I think if people really also uh, spent an equal amount of time on fixing and challenging kind of the status quo, again, could move that high watermark even higher. So let's zoom into some of the details and the details of your world, which is marketing. So how does the rise of PLG change marketing? What have you seen here? obviously has a major impact on the channels that you're going to use as a marketing organization or where you're going to lean in and where you're, where you're not. Similarly to like the sales world where, you know, you might shift your sales force up market in marketing, you have to think about, all right, how am I investing in content? How am I investing in my website? How am I investing in all of the online and digital experience to really make sure that people can get through without a lot of human intervention? For a modern marketer, how can you do that in a way that still feels warm, still feels engaging, still feels very personalized so that they are still a, a great brand affinity coming out of the experience and you don't just feel like, you know, you're in some like mass retail website and feel like a number. If you're used to running kind of a standard enterprise marketing playbook, you know, things like events might have less uh, importance in a product-led growth world, or they just might have a different tinge to them. Instead of being a selling event, they're more of an enablement event where, you know, it's it, people want to get, you know, hands-on with your product experts and kind of get through, get more detail on really how to make the most of your product. So I think it just, it shifts the overall mix. And then within the actual items, if it's events or content or website, whatever it is, it might shift the tone of how you actually deliver it and the content within those, each of those buckets. So it's not so much that product-led growth breaks everything and you kind of have to start from scratch and reinvent the wheel. The motions and the strategies that we've long relied on still are relevant today. For example, content and events and, and all these types of things. However, it takes a different format because you're targeting 
a different person for a different reason. Instead of going after the executive who holds budget for a particular department, you're going after the individual end user who's trying to solve a problem. So let's make our content, quite frankly, a little bit more tactical. I'd be interested to get your, your perspective on this given Twilio. It starts to look a lot more like a docs and documentation for developers because that is content. That's exactly right. I think in the PLG world, you're really shifting from why content to how. So how can I, you know, figure out how to do this specific, you know, thing that my product manager tasked me with? How can I, you know, figure out how to optimize your product in the best way? How can I get through the process with the least amount of friction? It really is about helping your customer see the value in your product by actually getting it up and running, as opposed to communicating the why you should care about the category, why it's important to do X, Y, and Z for this type of customer. It's much more focused on helping and not selling and just being the narrative on top of your user experience or your customer journey so that you know people know how to get to A to B as quickly as possible. So what about some other things like brand, for example? Is brand more important, less important, equally as important in the product-led growth world? Brand is still incredibly important in a PLG world. It is built in different ways than it might be in your traditional you know, sales-assisted world. Whereas you know, in sales-assisted, it might be important that you've got billboards in every airport and you know, you're doing radio ads or doing a, whatever big kind of advertising campaign it might be. In PLG, it comes a, a lot more down to authenticity. And again, like not coming across as someone who is just talking product, but someone that's there to help your customer base. And you know, I always talk about at Twilio, I think one of our biggest branding vehicles on the PLG side is our documentation. That is one of the first things developers call out. It's a huge part of our developer brand. It's something that we continue to invest heavily in and something that you know developers always kind of rank top of their list as to reasons why they like Twilio. But it's not a conventional thing to think about when you think about brand. If there's anyone out there who's moving from an enterprise role to a more PLG role, I encourage you to have beginner's mind for some of the tactics that you've traditionally used that you consider part of your playbook, because it's often not those things that are as important for a brand in the PLG world. I think about like the procurement process, like everyone hates procurement. And so you could have all the bells and whistles and emojis and whatever it was and, you know, easy billing and everything be seamless end to end. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still procurement. Some categories are always going to have it tougher than others. When that is the case from a product experience or, um, you know, what the product does for you, I think you have to lean into, all right, well, what are the other things that motivate that buyer? And, you know, how can I play to those as best as possible? Exactly. So if these are some of the things that that change or maybe perhaps evolve in relation to marketing in the PLG world, what doesn't change? What's consistent and what is sort of tried and true in your experience? I think the high level approach doesn't change. But like we were talking about the dynamics within the approach probably do. Like when we talked about content and changing within that bucket. So moving from like the ebook that says like seven ways, you know, seven things to think about when it comes to customer experience to here's how you implement an end-to-end customer journey using SMS. I'm I'm definitely in Twilio land here. Those things are going to change. I think, you know, funnel too, like you're still obviously, you know, every marketer is going to have their funnel they report onto the board or to in QBRs and the high level of dynamics of those are not going to change radically. You're still going to try, you know, web traffic to some sort of sign up to some sort of sales qualification to pipeline. 
But within that, there's probably a lot of different milestones that you'll you'll start to look at and, and use as either warning lights for product or you know milestones where you might want to enlist a salesperson to engage with a, a self-service customer and graduate them to a more sales-assisted experience. And then there's places where you might be like, okay, I can never apply a salesperson to this journey because it's going to turn off, let's say, a developer, for example. If I flip that on its head and hired a different, you know, potentially hired a different profile of inside sales rep who came from a developer background and could check in with a developer when they hit a certain milestone to see like, hey, I just want to check in on your project. You know, here's some documentation that I thought might be useful based on what I see you using in the console. You know, here is some other projects that look similar from other developers we work with. You know, that's helpful. And that's a much more useful call for a developer that they might be very thankful for that, you know, we had, uh, you know, tweaked that, that model and, and put some sort of account management on it. The key in this world, as we're kind of going through this transition to more PLG models and then thinking about how that kind of translates to a, a sales team, if, if you already have one in place or you, you're deciding to add one, is really getting good at the data and understanding when to engage and route too. Like I think about, you know, we use Drift on our website, for example, and it's been a great tool in terms of you know driving engagement, but the key piece has been figuring out how to get things routed to the right place. So you know we've learned, all right, we have to get really good at making sure that we're recognizing what this customer actually wants and routing them to the right resource as quickly as possible. And the same happens in our digital customer journey overall. Like how can we use our data, really fine tune it to understand, all right, this person actually does want to talk to a salesperson. Let's get them there as quickly as possible. This person needs help getting unblocked on X, Y, and Z. Let's get them to our self-service forum to, you know, to a question on our self-service forum that's already been posted. Or, hey, this person has a question that there's no answer for digitally. Let's get them to a live support person so that they can get their problem solved. That is really the key for anyone who is trying to do this hybrid model of PLG and sales assisted is you know, really getting dialed into your data and building the best routing you can so that the right people are getting the right attention and there's not a disconnect where you've got a hard charging salesperson with a quota talking to a developer who's just you know starting to get dip their toe into to what you do as a company. So bringing this to some practical advice for folks that might be going through the PLG transition and adoption for the first time right now, you know, I'm sure you have some great advice for marketers in that position. And, and there's a couple scenarios. So the first scenario I'd love you to weigh in on for our audience is if you're trying to embrace PLG, again, for the first time at your company, but your CEO or your peers are skeptical, what, what advice do you have for folks in that position? With all scenarios, you have to kind of walk before you run. When you have an established sales team and sales assisted motion and you're trying to add PLG, you absolutely obviously have to have huge champions in product because they're ultimately you know, going to be the ones that are going to instrument a lot of this. You have to figure out how to align with what their KPIs are, what they get kind of yelled at at a QBR about, and think about how your goals can align with them to really get buy-in from them. People will go out at different approaches. You know, People might say, okay, we've got to go big bang. Like You've got to either, we're either all in on PLG or we're not. And I just think sometimes that that's like a non-starter for companies because they can't carve out enough budget to do that, or they've already done a path with a certain roadmap. And so I'm more of a get in there, get some incremental resources, start to prove it out with some small experiments, and then build from there. 
It's going to be less threatening to whoever in the organization is against PLG. And then you've got proof to say like, look, like I improved conversion for this part of our, our sales cycle by X percent, or, Hey, I saved you uh, X amount of dollars in sales commission, or, Hey, I helped improve our productivity of our reps overall uh, and, or pipeline per rep, because now they're able to focus more up market and just use those proof points to build on from there. Yeah. I like that idea that you don't have to do it all at once and you don't have to sort of rip everything out and replace it all sort of in one fell swoop, but you can kind of do it progressively and iteratively and you can find ways, you know, where's the the lowest hanging fruit? Where are there opportunities for quick wins with product-led growth? And let's start to kind of roll that out incrementally from that initial sort of starting point of, of a success or of, of a win. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And you can just start and say, okay, for any, we're going to start on your website and say, hey, for any um, deal that comes through where it's a company of like 10 customers or, you know, 10 employees or less, we're going to try and do it all self-service. Like try and cut off a lower segment of the market and, and see if you can automate a small portion and then graduate from there and try to move, you know, that high watermark. Any way that you can get insight from the customer journey uh, and feed that back into product, uh, you know, I think that that's a great place to start too. So last question, and this is the other scenario, which is if you're in the inverse position as a marketer or as just a, a leader in a startup today, and if your CEO and peers are pushing hard for PLG, and you may agree in principle, but you're also worried about this idea of overcorrecting on PLG, and you might start seeing some warning signs that, uh, that folks are apt to throw the baby out with the bathwater and you need to play the role of, of sort of the brakes. <laughs> uh, what advice do you have for somebody that might be in that position? You know, that's why I'm a fan of, of doing things incrementally. I think you want to make sure that you're not going to disrupt the overall experience overnight too dramatically without making sure you've got your ducks in a row. PLG is great if you're doing it well. PLG can be really crappy if it's, you know, like if it's not a good experience or people are getting blocked at certain points or can't get answers to the questions that they need. And so I think you need to figure out, you know, part of your product line or your portfolio that where you think you've got a good match for PLG and really nail that first and expand from there. But, you know, I just, uh, I think I'm a fan of kind of piloting and, and growing from there. Unless like, Look, your uh, you know overall kind of customer journey needs a, a revamp to begin with, like soup to nuts. That's another whole conversation that we can probably do a separate uh, podcast on. But if you're just trying to add the PLG motion, I think it's not. My answer is not all that different from the first scenario. It's like figure out the best match within your portfolio for PLG. Start there and and then and then grow. You want to make sure you're not creating this separate siloed PLG motion that has no connectivity to where you started your business because the operational cost of that can be even more expensive than what you tried to solve, you know, solve in the first place. And that's why I just think you got to be really thoughtful about it and make sure if I am starting a PLG, if I am adding PLG to my portfolio, is there a smooth transition to that sales assistant motion if we're still keeping that in place? PLG is not pin the tail on the donkey. Yes. <laughs> pin the PLG on the product and you'll be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is not the appendage that you add on later. So I, I like that. That's a great place for us to, to end. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through your view of product-led growth, what it changes, what it doesn't change, and how to adapt to it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Build. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
and subscribe to stay up to date with all the new episodes. Want more insights from OpenView? Follow me, Blake Bartlett, on LinkedIn for daily PLG content and head to our website to sign up for our weekly newsletter.